The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. For the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern right here on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. And across the world on our growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 20 Asian countries, and across Europe. Our number is one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzonatalkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites www.xzoneradio.com and xzonetv.com. My producer tonight at Master Control is the one and only Miss Melanie, who, as you all know, is the president of the Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club. I've got to laugh every time I say Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club. Who in the name of heaven in the right mind would want to be a member of the Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club? Well, I guess all the proctologists around the world certainly want to want to be. And all the doctors who work on prostates as well. I understand that in studio tonight, because of the amount of orders they get for rubber gloves during the show, the vice president... That's right, the vice president of the Dr. Gabe Merkin Fan Club is also in studio. Sam is her name, and Gloves is her game. Ladies, nice working with you on this Good Friday. And I was in a store earlier today, and you know, kids say the darndest things. I was waiting, it was at Shoppers Drug Mart, and I went over there to get a few things for the house. And this young child couldn't have been more than nine years old, and he looked up to his dad, and he said, Dad, why do they call this Good Friday? Isn't this the day they killed Jesus? So why is it called Good Friday if the day that they killed Jesus is good? Well, I just had to chuckle because Dad did not know what to say. But today is Good Friday, everyone, and I hope that you have a wonderful Easter weekend, and we're going to be back Monday as well. And, uh, well, you know, don't, don't, don't give the kids too much chocolate. Buy them a book instead or buy them something that they can use. We've got to get out of buying our children chocolates because, heck, kids are obese as it is, and yet we still keep plugging them full of sugar. 
That's the way I think anyway. On tonight's show, Dr. John Curtis is going to be my first guest when we come back from the commercial break. That's coming up very shortly. We're going to be talking about National Cohabitation Month. There we go. Put the glasses on, Rob. You'll be able to read better. Hour number two, Dan Clark is going to be with us. We're going to be talking about his new book, Liberated from Madness, Reclaiming the Life God Meant You to Have. And in hour number three, Dr. William Schneed and I will be talking about three more police officers who were killed in the line of duty. And Cal Korf joins us in hour number four from Prague in the Czech Republic, from the European Union. Yeah, I know, Czech Republic's no longer there. It's called the European Union now. Well, for a little while more. And we're going to be uh, doing another edition of Cal's Corner. one 877 is toll free. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. And you can always chat with me here in our studios by typing in the MSN address, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. When I come back in two minutes, Dr. John Curtis and I will be discussing National Cohabitation Month. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil.
Speaking about sunshine, we're going to be having a heat wave here in Hamilton next Wednesday. We're looking at 51 degrees. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to have to get the sunscreen on. I'm going to have to. Oh, hi. Welcome back, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network. All right. Are you ready for this? The rate of cohabitation is skyrocketing as marriage uh, continues its decline. America has become a cohabitation nation as uh, shacking up has replaced marriage as the first uh, as the first living together experience for most young adults. 62% of all adults who will who marry will first cohabitate and uh, proving that years of condemnation have not worked as most couples reject the guilt-laden attempts to discourage their live-in arrangement. In addition, the rate of cohabitation is about to explode since 75% of high school kids see cohabitation as a worthwhile venture and uh, totally harmless. The U.S. Census Bureau finds nearly 10 million couples living together, and it appears that cohabitation has become a new American institution. Well, many people say if you're married, you should be institutionalized, so I guess that works out well. And uh, cohabitation is now more widely accepted than uh, before getting divorced or having a child out of wedlock. Oprah, Brad, Angelina, and LeBron are are just a few of the high-profile celebrities that cohabitate. What about Yogi Bear and Cindy? They've been cohabitating for a long time. Then you had Boo Boo and uh, Ranger Smith. And while there is nothing new about celebrities uh, shacking up, what is new is it has gone mainstream across America. National Cohabitation Month was established in May of each year, in part to increase society's expectations of cohabitation and to improve the stability of cohabitating couples. Cohabitation can no longer be seen as a single social phenomenon where hormones drive lustful young adults to shack up. Now I understand that's for the people in their late 60s. Instead, widely diverse populations from teenagers to seniors, see I told you, live together in sin, as my mother would say, as either an experiment. Now they didn't have those kind of experiments when I was going to school. It was, you know, the old chemistry experience experiments. Uh, in building an intimate relationship or simply to pool uh, social security payments. New research is also providing some good news about cohabitation for a change. Divorce among uh, women marrying their only cohabitation partner is 28% lower than for women who never cohabitate before marriage. It's like a learner's permit. That's how I look at it. You don't get a driver's license right away, do you? No. You get a learner's permit. I think it's a wonderful idea. Joining me now to discuss uh, National Cohabitation Month is our good friend, Dr. John uh, Curtis. And uh, Dr. Curtis, welcome back to the Exxon. Nice having you with us tonight. Tell me, uh, shacking up, why does it have such a negative connotation with, with what I believe to be is a very good idea? Try it before you buy it. It's like test driving a car. Well, you will come back to that image, uh, test driving the car, but there's kind of a, the proverbial full circle in that there was a time prior to the 1960s where cohabitation was seen as something that it was hush-hush and common law marriages and just, you know, normal upright standing people just didn't do that kind of thing. 
And then the 1960s hit, and we had mm-hmm. this explosion and revolution that took place. Uh, all the social norms and institutions, including the institution of marriage, were being turned on their ear. So it was then cool to live together. You know, the, the summer of love in 1968 when I graduated from high school, I mean, shacking up was the cool thing you did with your, your, your love bunny. You know, but mm-hmm. now through the age of, of divorce, we're back to the point where it's still hush-hush and behind closed doors and people don't talk about it a whole lot other than those who don't have to really care what people think about them, like Oprah. So it, there's kind of this historical evolution, but I think we're going to see, as you said in the introduction, Rob, cohabitation is really a, it's, it's a legitimate form of an intimate relationship, and like it or not, it's here to stay. It's not going to go away, so we might as well figure out how to help those folks rather than condemn them. Well, it seems that they're not the folks who need the help. It's the folks who just decided to do what society has called do the right thing for many years, and that's get married. And, you know, these people who are cohabitating in my books are the smart people. They're trying it out before they buy it. Well, the researchers would argue really both sides of the fence. Uh, up until recently, most of the research will state, now the one one little uh, kind of footnote here, those researchers are in many cases baby boomers who grew up with a different attitude about cohabitation and now think it's really a deplorable thing, and they themselves may have, in fact, done it in the 60s and the 70s. And they're the ones doing the studies. You know, mm-hmm. you like to think that these kind of studies are unbiased and all the scientific methodology is used, but nevertheless, you you got to kind of take with a grain of salt the fact that people that cohabitate are more likely to have uh, abuse, infidelity, uh, all kinds of problems with drugs and alcohol, more so than the general population that may How do we know that? Well, see, that's the interesting point, because first of all, it's hard to get people to tell you they're cohabitating. It's not one of those things that people talk about a whole lot, because they're likely to immediately get condemnation. And so it's hard to get people that are legitimately cohabitating that will talk about it. But what more likely shows up are the couples where there's a police report filed, and -hmm. there's abuse that's gone on, and, you know, law enforcement shows up and finds out, in fact, well, they're cohabitating. Not that, of course, married couples don't have physical abuse problems. So it's really hard to get good, healthy, uh, normal people, if I may say that, on this show that will say, yeah, we cohabitate. We've been doing it for about 12 years now. It makes perfect sense. You know, so that's the hard part is to get an unbiased audience out there to talk about it. The news has gotten better, though, and literally just this past year for both the U.S. and Canada, we're seeing a lot of positive, uh, if you will, change come out regarding people who cohabitate, less likely to get divorced. Mm-hmm. Not serial cohabitation, but the, the woman who cohabitates with her fiancé, you know, that kind of thing. So as you say, it's, it's a test drive, and some deplore that concept. Others say it makes perfect sense. Hey, it makes perfect sense to me, and you know what? I don't give a darn what other people think. If the people who are involved in the relationship are happy with it, in my books, that's all that matters. Well, and I'm glad you said that. You know, part of National Cohabitation Month is about really, and, and you it, this is rather stereotypical, but, you know, you, you got a good friend who, who he says, hey, i got to take you out to lunch. i got some exciting news to tell you. They call you on the phone and say, guess what? I proposed to her. I'm going to get married. You know, and there's this normal reaction that, hey, that's great. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Even I usually you say you need your head examined. <laughs> Well, even though you may be thinking behind the scenes, oh, yeah, a lot of luck, this is his third marriage, but there's this expectation that that's a good thing. And I don't society. know. People who know me know me better than that. If I think well, something there, is there scary, are, I tell them, yeah. 
there are exceptions, and that's uh-huh. why you you know you like to be known as that exception, right? But you tell somebody uh, over lunch or you know over a phone call, guess what? I'm going to move in with my girlfriend. It's like, oh yeah, okay, good oh, luck. Oh, that's when I say, now you're thinking. But you know yeah, where well, I see. do you know where I think the line should be drawn is that's when the couple decides to have children. That is okay. where the test drive ends. Okay. The ring goes on, and the name goes on before the children are born. Because having been in law enforcement and having been part of the judicial system for years, the children suffer when it comes to common law relationships. Well, and you know, that that's probably an accurate statement. There's there's few exceptions out there, although you still have about 40% of children born in U.S. and Canada today mm-hmm. are born out of wedlock. Yep. You know, and w- women, are, and this is not the 16-year-old teenager who gets pregnant because you didn't use birth control. These are women purposefully having children yep. in their 20s, for example. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing I want to introduce, and that is that it's not about marriage. It's not about cohabitation. It's about committed relationships. Because you, you've already pointed out, Rob, you can be married and not be committed. Exactly. You can be cohabitating and be extremely committed, and you'll live with that person for the rest of your life. And then you, know, you so, could be married and should be committed. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it is an institution for uh, crazy people, as you said at the very beginning. So what I want to talk I want to talk about on the show is what is a committed relationship? What does that look like, regardless of whether it's bound legally or through one's religion? Mm-hmm. What committed relationship look like? And certainly there's lots of married folks out there that are not committed. We know that certainly the divorce statistics, the decline in the rate of marriage, and so just getting married in and of itself doesn't mean you're going to have a good relationship or necessarily be a good couple to raise children. But how can, you know, one of the biggest arguments that we are still faced with in the year 2009 is the battle between church and the state. Because if you're married in a church, the minister says, what God has put together, let no man take apart. And the government says, hey, come on over here, pay us 300 bucks, we'll divorce you. Well, and the other part to that, uh, that at least uh, what the, the minister or the member of the clergy might be saying, and by the power invested me of the province of Ontario, I now mm. pronounce you so. Here's your church and state separation. It's a, it's a mess. Well, it's you a see, real... the, the, the state is only recognized in a civil ceremony when you're married within the confines of a religious organization or philosophy, the state is not recognized. Well, that separation may be the you know the whole issue of the same-sex marriage battle. I, I think we're going to see played out in the courts across the land throughout the U.S. and Canada. But I think what we're going to see partly as a solution is that while mainstream religions are not going to, uh, if you will, in any way sanction or perform same-sex marriages, they may be able to go down to the courthouse and do that. And but you do have back to what I said earlier, some mainstream religions that are starting to have commitment ceremonies. Now, there's not going to be at the end a uh, you know a wedding certificate and and all of that kind of legal stuff, but it's the, the the clergy saying at the end, and I now pronounce you a couple, or I now pronounce you man and woman, and there are some religions that are beginning to do that just out of necessity. All right, we've got to take a commercial break with the news. We'll be right back. Dr. John Curtis is our special guest. We're talking about relationships, and um, Dr. Curtis's website is www. WeCohabitate.com. That's www.WeCohabitate.com. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern on the Talkstar Radio Network.
Happy Easter, everyone. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. May 2009 is National Cohabitation Month, and another example of the increasing popularity and acceptance of cohabitation as a viable alternative to marriage, much like is already occurring within Western Europe. Dr. Curtis has just released Happily Unmarried, Living Together and Loving It to provide useful information and practical tools to show couples how to enhance the health and stability of their uh, live-in relationship. This is the first book that actually takes a serious look and non-judgmental look, I might add, at cohabitation. This groundbreaking book is for anyone thinking about cohabitation who is cohabitating or is interested in learning more about cohabitation. The book is a fitness guide for these often overlooked couples who must hide their relationship from friends, family, and their employer. You know what? I I, I don't agree that people who are in, in uh, cohabitation uh, uh, relationships are any longer, uh, you know, um, hiding the fact that they are. In fact, over the over the uh, news break at the bottom of the hour, I've received a number of emails and MSN messages from members of the Exo Nation who are living common law, as it's known here in Canada and uh, throughout the British Empire, and uh, they're proud of it. It is one of those things that people, certain types of individuals, wear as that kind of that badge of "I'm proud of it." It's a good thing. Uh, probably, and it would be interesting to hear from some of them. The last area where you'll hear cohabitating couples say they're a little hesitant is their employment. Depending on their employer, obviously the nature of the work that they do, that may be one of the places why? they don't. That's, discrimi- why that's, that's discrimination in the in the uh, in the job uh, in the job well, place, and that's not well, allowed absolutely. by law. Well, yes, 
it's not allowed by law, but of course that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And of course in this day and age and in this economic uh, recession that we're all in, the last thing you can afford to do is have your job in, in any way hindered, impinged upon, or actually be laid off because you've got some moralistic boss or business owner. Oh, wait a sec. Hold on here. Hold on here. I'm sorry, John. I don't buy that one bit. I really don't. See, I, there's no evidence to support that statement that people who are living common law are putting their job in jeopardy. Well, the, what is their evidence is they will say the area that they're least likely to talk openly about being in a live-in relationship is at work. That's all. Well, and, a lot of people, you, uh, I, I, you know, a lot of people don't talk about their personal lives at work, even if they're married. So why should the common law relationship be any different from the marriage? Well, back to again those that may judge that. So, but it's it's it depends on the circle, the social level. Uh, I think, as we said at the beginning of the show, it is no longer a socioeconomic issue. Way back in the days when there was the poor people that did it, uh, or certainly the hippies in the in the 60s. Now you have people at all. I mean, look at Oprah; she's a so, billionaire. You know, look at LeBron. Uh, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, you've got famous people with lots of money, Angelina and Brad. All right, so, so that it, so that doesn't make it any any more feasible just because the rich do it i add uh, that that to me is is a bunch of bunk if people want to live together i don't care if you're if you're poor if you're middle class or you're rich you want to do it it's your right go ahead and do it after all why spend a life in misery just to just to have that piece of paper well, we're in heated agreement on that. I'm simply saying what we have now is across the spectrum, socioeconomically, educationally, age-wise, people that are living together, where it used to be just seen as, you know, hormonally driven young adults that were living together. As you said, again, in the introduction, we've got one of the fastest groups of, uh, from an age point of view, demographically, the fastest growth area of cohabitating couples are over age 60. Now, why are they doing that? I had a woman tell me recently, if I get married, I lose my inheritance. If another one, if I get married, we lose some of the payment that we get from the government. I had a woman recently say he had a nasty divorce, a terrible alimony settlement, and the papers state if he gets remarried, the ex gets half of the assets of the new spouse, so they're not going to get married. There's lots of reasons why people do it, and the older generation are doing it just as much as the younger folks. You may find grandma and granddaughter that are living together, and it's a really unsettling thing when they they come to mom's house, uh, and, and she's trying to cope with that because she's still married. But it's a real common phenomena across the spectrum now. You're but right. But you know what? You just gave some perfect examples of why people aren't getting married anymore. Okay. You just gave them. Tell what, me more. The oh, argument, yeah, because... It, <laughs> excuse me. I was a little slow on that one, Rob. Yeah. They're About perfect... The, Exactly. You know, if the guy gets married again, then he loses half of this, the loss of the inheritance. They're perfect reasons why, if people don't want to get married, they want to cohabitate. God bless you. Go ahead. Have fun. But like I said in my book, if you're going to have children, you have to do the right thing for the child. Well, and I, I think that's good that you draw the line. It'd be interesting to know, uh, you know, how many of the, those folks that emailed in or listeners right now will say, yeah, but, you know, we're in a committed relationship, back to that concept, and we've opted to have children, and we bought a house together, and we're going to be together for life. Now, uh, and they've opted not to get legally married, but to still choose to have children. In most cases, cohabitating couples bring children into the cohabitating relationship. That's right. right? 
a prior marriage or whatever, and that's mm-hmm. a little different versus going out and purposely getting pregnant. So there are some boundaries there. But the, yeah. the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm just delighted about being able to do this show with you and, and frankly, part of the National Cohabitation Month is to get people talking about it, to normalize it. We've got millions of couples doing it. We've got to quit condemning it because that's like – Remember Reefer Madness in the 1960s, that movie mm-hmm. to scare all of us out of, of smoking and inhaling? It didn't scare anybody. You know, we can't scare people out of cohabitating. It's gone mainstream, and there's lots of legitimate reasons with healthy couples that are doing it. All right, going back to 1990, this is from a U.S. Census Bureau report. Going back to 1990, there were 9.7 million Americans living with an unmarried different sex partner. And 1.2 Americans living with the same-sex partner. 11% of unmarried partners are same-sex partners. And this is going back to the year 2000. So we've seen a certainly there's been an upswing in the amount uh, of the number of people who are deciding to cohabitate. Because this way here, a lot of these people believe that, hey, it doesn't work. We just shake hands and we part. Because in many states and provinces, if... If couples are not legally married, the home is not considered the matrimonial home. Whose ever name is on the title is the person who owns the home, and they can give legal notice to their partner. I believe in I believe the average is five days to vacate. Part of what you're bringing up is, and you again said in the introduction, is the the trends that are going on in Western Europe. They're going to migrate across the the pond, as they say, to to Canada and the U.S. And that is the the boundaries, legal issues, uh, property ownership, uh, in, uh, health benefits, those kinds of boundaries between what a married couple gets, let's say, especially in the Scandinavian countries, which are the highest in Western Europe, and those that are cohabitating are, are almost non-existent. And I think. I think we're going to see more and more of that. So well, I, once again, once again, here in Canada, those laws are in place. Yeah, I think you're going to see changes there and protection of the rights of people that are cohabitating, much like if you are, in fact, married, there's certain rights governed by the province that you're in or by the, the nation of Canada, and I think you're going to see some changes. And there's this whole anti-marriage movement. Uh, and uh, you can go to alternativestomarriage.com, and you'll see people out there that don't even believe. It's like mm-hmm. having atheists together. You have people that do not believe in the institution of marriage, and they're going to lobby and advocate more and more for their way of life and to reduce or eliminate laws that, in fact, discriminate against them if they're opting to live together and have property rights, if you will, bound by some legal thing called a, a, you know, a marriage certificate. You know, I'm married. Yeah, we, we, we understand that. My, my, you know, a number of how my How many kids. times, Rob? Rob? Once. How many marriages? Once. This is it. This is Good it. This Good is it. Uh, and if somebody I know wants to live common law, I'll give them a pat on the back and say, Good for you. If this is what makes you happy, go for it. Somebody calls up and they say they're getting married, I'll say, Hmm, have you done the test drive yet? And, and you realize you're in the minority, but of course you've known that for a long time. You don't need me to tell you that because most folks don't have that that 
same approach to it. But that's changing, and I think that is a good thing. I, I think especially among the younger generation, mm-hmm. is again, you, you ask high schoolers, and they'll say it's, it's innocent, it's harmless, it's worthwhile, and they've got the exact attitude you have. Why in the world would I want to spend $25,000, walk down the aisle, get married to somebody that I don't know whether I like their, their bathroom habits? <laughs> Let's live together for six months or, or six years, for that matter, and do the proverbial test drive. And so I, you're going to see that just be more and more commonplace. And I think even as you've set up, people saying, well, wait a minute, you, you didn't live with him and you got married first? Yeah. And they're going to question that. Right, exactly. And we've got about 60% of all couples getting married today will live together first. And so they're, the, whether they're getting smarter or not, or depending on who's doing the study and the research, or you know, they're really condemning their marriage to failure, it's just the, one of these, it makes perfect sense. Would you go to the car lot, as you said at the beginning, look at the car and go, I'll buy it without getting behind the wheel and at least driving around the parking lot. And most people would not do that. So the test drive concept, like it or not, that's what people see that they're doing. It makes sense. It, re- it makes sense that that if people want to live together and they want to dedicate the rest of their lives to the union and the partnership, then they should get to know each other in uh, in other areas than just dating. Because you know, have you've heard the old expression, John? The honeymoon is over. Yep. yep and that's exactly. when rea- that's when reality sets in. Well, and see, that's one of the beauties of, and there's advantages to cohabitation that I think we, we probably ought to spend a few sure. minutes talking a little bit about. One is you don't have that honeymoon that, you know, like the guys will do at the wedding reception after when he said to them, I'm going to get married. They go, oh, well, yeah, good luck on that. But they'll joke and, you know, elbow each other and go, well, this is as good as it gets, or you're not going to get any, you know, every day it's going to be less so, and, uh, and that whole perception that it's going to go downhill. In cohabitation, the one of the advantages is it's time-bound. Most cohabitating couples will tell you they, one, moved into the other's apartment, they went and got an apartment together, and they signed a lease. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really advocate for cohabitating couples is make a commitment, circle your calendar 12 months from today when your lease is up, or a month in advance, sit down and say, do we want to extend? How has it worked for us? Has the test drive been successful? And then you've got this nice point of closure. Unlike I had somebody, I swear this is true, Rob, that contacted me to say, I didn't know what else to do but marry her because that's the only way I knew how to get rid of her by divorcing her. Uh, you know, so there's this, there's this clean break that you can do in cohabitation based on the lease that you're in. And I really recommend couples consider that. And so there's not this, oh, gosh, how are we going to get out of it? We've got six months, the lease is up, or, you know, next year the lease is up. And that's one of the advantages of cohabitating couples, along with the fact that there's not this honeymoon. Because usually they already have been spending many nights together anyway. Exactly. And he spent all the time in her place or she's mm-hmm. at his place. It just makes economic sense, if you will, for them now to move in together. And they already know each other's bathroom habits and what shows they like to watch on TV and what they're really like after they've gone through several dates together and you know you've done all that marketing stuff of putting your best foot forward now i see what you're really like on the couch on a saturday night you know but once again i i don't think that and and i'd like to clarify this is that i don't think that um cohabitating should be done without a lot of thought going into it first i think that two you should sit down and, you know, there's more to life than just wild sex. And if you're going to cohabitate for, for, for the sexual aspect of it, don't bother. No, exactly. 
just have your one night stands, but don't don't waste it. And see, you bring up back to this issue of of committed relationships mm-hmm. because of course people go and get married on a fling. You know, the old what stays in Vegas happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. All these overnight weddings, we fell in love, we ran mm-hmm. off somewhere and eloped, and people do that stupidly, just like they may live together in a committed relationship. Whether you're going to culminate it in a marriage or choose to live together, you sit down and have an adult conversation. You talk about things like the family, the money, yeah. uh, the chores, the, the future, your religious beliefs. You have that conversation before you choose to live with somebody or choose to marry them. Unfortunately, a lot of couples don't. But that's one of the signs of a committed relationship, whether you culminate it, like I say, in a wedding, is you have those kind of mature conversations. You see, Two the, things. I, you see a, ahead, a couple of friends... And uh, and I get together on a regular basis. Fifty uh, percent uh, are married. Fifty percent cohabitate. You know, we've been friends for twenty, twenty-five years. And one thing we have learned is that there's one phrase that is the same in the married life as well as in the cohabitation life. Oh yeah, what's that? Yes, dear. <laughs> you and I have to take a commercial break. Please stand by. Dr. John Curtis is our special guest. And if you'd like more information on cohabitating, please visit Dr. John's website, www.wecohabitate.com. That's www.wecohabitate.com. In the next hour, we'll be talking to Dan Clark about getting out of a cult and getting back your life. That's coming up next in the Exxon. Also tonight, Dr. William Schneed and I will be discussing the death of three more police officers this past week. And Cal Corf will be there joining us. A- this is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation, whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. How we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. 
Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. I was talking to two members of our uh, production staff over the commercial break, and uh, one of our producers um, cohabitated for four months prior to getting married, and the other producer cohabitated for four years. And, uh, you know, they both agree with cohabitation. Dr. John Curtis is our special guest, www.wecohabitate.com. Dot com is his website. First of all, uh, John, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure having you. W- uh, what would you like to leave the Exo Nation with uh, pertaining to cohabitation? Well, the concept of a committed relationship, whether you're going to live together or get married, there's really two key aspects that, that research continually verifies. You've got to have romantic attraction and you've got to have emotional maturity. Now, the romantic attraction comes natural. That's the chemistry between two people. The emotional maturity may be optional, and whether you get married or not doesn't guarantee you're going to have emotional maturity. That's effective communication. That's problem solving. That's impulse control. That's meeting somebody else's needs. And that's the key thing for anybody listening tonight is do you have a committed relationship, emotional maturity and romantic attraction. That's the key to successful relationship, whether you get married or not. Exactly. Exactly, and you've got to do what you feel is right for the both of you. Don't let other people, especially in-laws or prospective in-laws, taint your inner feelings because nine times out of ten, John, whether you're talking about a relationship, whether you're talking about um, that, you know, that inner feeling, your gut doesn't lie to you. If you think it's good, if it feels right, and if you're honest with each other, go with your heart. And, and honest with yourself. And by the way, one last tidbit. If you get an in-law or anybody pushing you about cohabitation, ask them if they ever cohabitated. Uh, and you'll be surprised how many people, if you really push them back to the 60s again, yeah, I tried that back in the, you know, in the 70s or whatever, and they, it didn't work well, and they had a bad experience, so they think you're going to have a bad one too. And, you know, people are tainted by that. So I think you've got to make your own decision uh, and based on your own good judgment. And that's the key to success in anything, of course. So it's yeah. up to you. Take responsibility and make the decision. Uh, John, congratulations on a wonderful book. We look forward to talking to you in the future. So until the next time we meet here in the X-Zone, to you and yours, a very happy Easter and happy uh, Cohabitation Month. Thank you, Rob. Be well, too. Take care. Take care now. Dr. John Curtis, www.wecohabitate.com is his website. And... um, It's totally up to you, Exo Nation, whether you want to cohabitate, whether you want to get married. And like the statistics are showing, those who cohabitate before getting married are less likely to divorce. You can't argue with statistics, can you? Well, nine out of people say you can. Anyway, be true to yourself. And when you're discussing 
cohabitation, or marriage with your prospective partner. Just be honest. And like Dr. Curtis said, be honest to them and also be honest to yourself. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, I'll be joined by Dan Clark. And uh, Dan and I are going to be talking about liberated from madness, reclaiming the life God meant you to live. It's going to be about religious cults and how dangerous they can be. My name is Rob McConnell. This is the Exxon on the Talk Star Radio Network. <laughs> 